It was a Hardy Boy mission in charge to unravel. Sounds from the stars sometimes it's pure babble, but back to the gravel. We comb the blocks, looking for the predators that roam the blocks. Not a gang or tax player outsmart the fox. It's the red taking politics that run the blocks. Put up a grid of the city and connect the dots. Residents, our meal tickets must protect the stock. Investment in Glocks, tasers, and black jackets. Interacting with scholars on down to crack addicts. Deadbeat dads vanishing like black magic. Plus, mom's prostitute to survive, and that's tragic. Traffic stops recorded on dashboard cams. Or tenants complaining about landlord scams. And that's the only part of what's addressed on the beat. Plus, the tension at the station, so we're stressed on the street. No sweet taste for tongues that don't eat. Eat rising in the ghetto. Sometimes we don't meet. Colder, tired of the odor of the street. Tired of the street like tired of the freaks. Tired of the I ain't mean to do it. Help a brother out, fam. You ain't really black. You just frontin' for the way, man. Dispatch is eyes and ears, that's the way it works. All points, you'll attend units, stay alert. Patrol car cruising down the strip, got a tip that some dope boys about to pop flip for a grip. Jib told the whole story, now we out like Cape Crusaders. Trying to elevate the ranks like elevators. They are haters, from our disposition is. Just a job, black, tell them what our mission is. To protect is. the service, my vocation. From tracking the violator of probation, till surveilling the location. Hostage negotiation, show the patience. Deployed when we avoid violence, but no ovation. Clap, clap, the guns go, fun's never possible. Living in the city. Where your skin is an obstacle Whether you a cop or a shop On the front end With bricks in the back Man, it don't mean nothing To be black, to black, to be black, to Partner giving history lessons, but we're progressing. Got another perk in back of the car, he ain't confessing. Another brother going on chill, he looking guilty as hell, but at the same time, I'm thinking it's ill. Charles Wright, who's a pioneer, member of the force from a youth. I took the path resembling this course and was raised in the neighborhoods. I paid to patrol as a child, the past had to check pay for my soul. Right, welcome back to Too Blue to Be Black, Too Black to Be Blue. I'm your host, Marv Desage, and we are tuned in on My Tribe Network Radio, powered by Brass Radio 1. And uh, it is the, uh, what, the 3rd of July, I think. you getting ready for the 4th of July weekend. Uh, we went through June like it was uh, um, a hot knife in butter. I mean, it was quick. Um, our show today is going to be on 
uh, you know, a little bit of uh, the follow-up of what's been happening around the country with the uh, criminal justice reform. But, you know, with this one story breaking, we want to focus on police corruption and how it impacts the community, both locally and nationally. And then so the story we're going to be kind of talking about, as well as uh, bringing in some other local connections, is the Houston Police Department uh, having the firing of these officers, uh, and uh, one of which uh, arrested George Floyd. So that was an impact on this man, uh, who, uh, of course, died at the hands of uh, a law enforcement officer, former law enforcement officer. Uh, so the dialing number is 585-653-0021. That's 585-653-0021. And in the studio, uh, we got the good lieutenant. Hey, what's going on? All How y'all right. doing? All right, all right, man. Hey, we're above ground, man, trying to make it. I don't know how hot it is out that way, but I know this way, man. We've been hitting 90 <laughs> every day. 90, huh? It was 90. Out here, it's like 90 at about four, three, four in the morning. It's 90 degrees. Mm. <laughs> That's crazy. And then we got, yeah. you know, we got that humidity, too. So it's like, you know, that, yeah. that that makes it even worse, even worse. And then we got the good Mr. Blake in the house. Good afternoon, everyone. All right, all sure. right, all right. Give a round of applause for both my brothers being in the building. Um, uh, uh, keep a prayer out for uh, Mr. Banks. Uh, talked to him a little bit, and he said he was, you know, fighting something. Hopefully not COVID, man, uh, the way that thing's been going around. Uh, but uh, And then the bishop said he'll be monitoring, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> so he's got, he's got he's got his people listening. Got, yeah, we going we're going to say a prayer for him too. Uh, I don't know what he's out there getting. If he's getting ribs, uh, I'm going to put my order in. Um but yeah, yeah, let me uh crank up our little background music with the little pieces of a dream radio in here from my my Spotify list. Uh so we're going to have a blend of all kind of uh folk uh, playing man and, and i'm playing it because i'm liking depression that uh lenora is not going to be doing any of their uh summer concert shows the, this summer because of covid yeah they canceled both the uh july and the august show and and i've been going to this place for probably uh about uh i want to say uh well over uh 15 or more years and Every year, the wife and I was trying to get a reservation at the hotel to stay at the uh, the winery before the before the uh, the jazz day, so that way we would already be you know set up. We can sit out on the balcony. So last year, we ended up getting the reservation. We got locked in. It, I don't know how we beat everybody out, but we got in for both July and August. And then here, man, COVID hit. <laughs> and everything got canceled so we had to cancel the hotel and we've been trying for years to get into this place so you know that that's been the, the, the start of 2020 for for us man with uh with covid um you know we lost a couple of friends you know big don squires man rest in peace um but uh it's been a rough rough start of the year man you know so so yeah today uh you know we we, we dive in on this uh this Houston situation, man, and, 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 you know, I don't know about you, P, man, but, you know, I feel even less and less, you know, um, you know, just happy, man, having put on a uniform with, with the way these guys, you know, are going out here performing. And then, you know, the folk that are supporting and, and, you know, backing them, it's like, man, you know, how can you, 
feel good about having spent your time knowing that you worked and served honorably, but then you got these guys out here and, and ladies that are doing stuff that just make it, you know, embarrassing to want to make, you know, mention that you you served in law enforcement. The problem is, here's the problem. There is a group. There is a group of individuals, not knowing how big this group is, and you can you can stretch it from Maine to San Diego, from Seattle to Miami, and everything in between. There is a group that is highly emboldened based on what is coming out of the upper levels of the U.S. government today and over the last three and a half years. All right? They're emboldened. They don't fear, quote-unquote, the Department of Justice. They don't fear the FBI because they have Trump, they have Barr, and people all in between, even career prosecutors and officials in the DOJ and the FBI, they are pulling their hair out because they are being told to do things that is just totally, uh, what's the word, oxymoronic to what their duties are. All right. Why is the why is the Department of Justice and the Attorney General acting like Trump's personal attorney, doing all type of crazy stuff? Where there's where they should be investigating incidents involving law enforcement that cause someone to lose their life. All right, someone to lose their life. They're not doing it. Uh, they're very hesitant. They're only getting involved because of intense pressure. So they feel emboldened. And now, if you got an area or a situation where these folks are not being uh, challenged, investigated, prosecuted if necessary. You cannot tell me every police shooting is a good shooting. You cannot tell me every police scenario where someone gets hurt badly or gets killed, the officers did what they were supposed to do. Right. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me 100% of the cases in the country. And it's not that. You can't tell me that a police officer or anybody with a reasonable sense of mind would thought this guy is standing 25 feet away from the police officers with a hammer that that caused four officers to unload eight uh 18 shots into this guy from roughly 15 feet like they're using him for target practice you can't tell me that now like i said before like i said last week i remember the days when we dealt with people or had to deal with people you know if you got to defend yourself and use force then so be it you want to go home but the key here is excessive the key here is criminal yeah all right you can't tell me choking somebody, strangling somebody who's handcuffed is appropriate, proper, and quote-unquote legal. No, these, it's the, like I said before, it's the district attorneys who are failing big time. The district attorney, state's attorneys, uh, federal U.S. attorneys, they are failing big time. And it's because, you know, especially the feds, uh, Barr and, Tr and Trump are controlling this. You didn't see this level to an extent you saw some incidents but you didn't see the boldness you know eight four five years ago seven years ago nine years ago ten years ago you didn't see that right right, right? they believe they believe they have a white they, not that they believe they have a wannabe white supremacist uh racist neo-nazi in the in the white house so that gives that's emboldened them plain and simple that's just like if LeBron James became president, everybody would want to play basketball. Okay? Right. This is just what's going on. They're, they're mimicking this guy, and 
a failed television con man, you know, Carnival Barker clown is creating this issue. In, and until he is out, the state, United States is not going to repair itself. Wow. Now we got people so worried, people of color, they are concerned about not, you know, they, are, they have to be wary about being out and around this weekend because there is not, uh, a rumor and innuendo that there's going to be some type of activity going on that could be dangerous for African-Americans because some Nazi groups or white supremacists are going to be out to attack people of color. Yeah, you seeing that? So you got social media, you know, sending out, uh, or at least people on social media sending out stuff, you know, saying, hey, be careful, be alert, because you got, uh, you know, uh, white nationalists or, or KKK or, or white supremacists that are running around uh, threatening to do harm to people of color. And, and we just had yesterday, you know, in the news, uh, someone here in, in, in Rochester, man, in Penfield, spray painting uh, right, the, right. the SWAT stickers and the KKK, uh, you know, and, and just what happens, they, they spray paint areas where there was no uh, external cameras uh, to capture this. So we think, you know, eventually somebody's going to come forward uh, having at least seen them in the area. Uh, but somebody's, yeah, somebody's gonna say something because you know how it is, Marv. When people do crazy stuff like that, it's no fun to them unless other people know that they did it. How many times have we investigated an incident, a crime, a heinous crime, where all of a sudden the suspect is talking to other people? You know, how many homicides do uh, we help solve or make arrest because the suspect had to open his mouth? to tell everybody, yeah, man, I'm the one that popped Ray Ray over on Hudson Avenue. And if he had kept his mouth shut, we would have never known. But they got to talk. They have to talk, and somebody's going to talk about this situation. And, you know, it's just plain hate. It's yeah. plain hate. And yeah. the question is, why is why has this hate gotten to this particular level during this particular time? Now, people are a little bit more desperate because of COVID, not working, no money, Landlord knocking on the door, uh, people threatening to repo the car. You got to get legislation to to have banks and everybody to back off during this time of problem. Right. You know, uh, we we got. I just saw earlier today that I think it was Virginia has a new law that took effect. I guess July first, where you can't discriminate against uh, hairstyles. Uh, excuse me. Why do we need a Why do we need a state law that says you can't discriminate against hairstyles? I don't remember anybody getting to the point where uh, we were going after white people because this lady had what they call it the big hair, you know they had the big blonde, <laughs> the, the big blonde bouffant or whatever it is. That right, right, right. Or, or the mutton chops, you know, the white guys. Or the mutton like, chops yeah. and, or, or all this. I don't remember us, you know, saying, "Hey, that lady's got big hair," you know, she can't come in. No, because it was situations that were geared at people of color and black people. Talk about cornrows and braids and dreadlocks and all this they were acting so stupid virginia had to come up with a state law this but is it, ridiculous but it, in 2020 but again you're talking about something that speaks to again we're talking about systemic racism right we're talking about institutional racism and so when the uh when the institution uh is predominantly uh, uh modeled after uh white ideology or white uh you know white beauty uh white culture uh, you know, then, of course, anything other than white culture is going to be deemed ugly or going to be deemed uh, evil or so like 
our hairstyle. You know what? You always have some white folk that like to touch black people's hair because they're just mesmerized at how it uh, it's it holds its shape or whatever because their hair. That's that that and that is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, but you that got is you ridiculous. got folk that 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 you know it just captivates them uh, to no end. And so you know the first thing they want to do is reach for the hair. So. So now you create this this uh, this narrative where uh, black women or, or or black men that have their hair uh, in a traditional fashion have to have to say something to a person that's approaching them that is white, saying, "Okay, I see you looking. Don't touch my hair, right? Yeah. You know, or you got to block their hand because they're gonna they feel entitled to just reach and touch it and start asking right. you questions and like, how do you start a conversation off with you playing with my hair? Well, it's almost it's, it's, it's almost the same. As under certain circumstances, you have certain demographics. You know they get they get mesmerized if they see an extremely attractive African American woman or Hispanic woman. You know mm-hmm. now they want to almost literally quote unquote touch. You know we've seen it, we've heard it. It's like a fantasy to a certain extent. It's like you ask your question, you ask the question, why? Well, it's because right. this stuff is going back to the, to 1802, 1810, 1820. Where they believe that because of, you know, their quote unquote superiority, they should be able to do what they want to do, how, how they want to do it with people of color. And right. it's like, look, it's like, look, this is, we're in the 21st century. We don't send people to the moon. We talk about colonizing Mars. You better get, you know, off of that, off of that mess. This is ridiculous. That's, that's way, that's in the past. It's history. It's not going to be the future. If that's what you, if that's what you're thinking, and right. you don't see you don't see bankers, and lawyers and doctors and those type of folks out here wanting to create this uh, division. You got people out here for the main for the most part who are middle to low income. All right, I'm gonna mm-hmm. use the word I'm gonna use the words trailer trash who want to jump in a pickup truck and drive down the street and fire off guns because. It makes them feel real good in their their middle region. Okay. Yeah. They're not yeah. they're not out here doing the things they need to do to improve their lives. All right. They want to express the despair by quote unquote hurting somebody. Oh, three or four guys want to jump in a pickup truck so you can go find one person of color walking in an area by himself so you can jump out on them and jump in four or five guys to one. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, tough guy. Why don't you jump out the car by yourself and take on that guy? Right. You know, show a little, show a little hot spot, show a little courage, you know, show some balls. No, you want to do it four and five against one? Really? Do you see, do you see a carload of four or five people of color or African-Americans driving around uh, Pittsburgh jumping people? No. Do you see that going on on Rodeo Drive and Beverly Hills? No. Do you see that type of activity going on deep? Out onto Long Island. I mean, Eastern Long Island, Montauk, the land of the, the eight hundred thousand dollar beach cottages. That no, it's, that stuff isn't going on. And the thing is, you know, people are getting tired of it, and we know that we're responding to it in a certain way now. And now it's like we're getting people attention. Oh, oh, there's so much violence. Wait a minute, y'all initiated this violence. Don't make it sound like we all, you know, people of color, all of a sudden decided they're going to start, you know, doing these type of activities you know uh, uh george floyd rayshard brooks ahmaud arbery uh let's keep on going trayvon martin tamir rice mm-hmm. michael brown susan bland 
I mean, this is ridiculous that this is still going on and people are twisting themselves into pretzels to defend these actions of rogue police officers. And going back to what you said about wearing a uniform, you know, I'm proud of the 31 years I did. I know I helped a lot of people. I know I took a lot of bad people off the street. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I may owe a few people an apology because, you know, back in 1979, 1980, you couldn't swear out on the street. Right. If you swore out on the street, the police could use that as a disorderly conduct and lock you up. Now, I would be agreeing 100% that somebody using obscene language is uh, an expression of their First Amendment rights. You got to have a little bit more to just yank somebody's freedom and throw them into jail because they said a word that another officer took as quote unquote obscene. I mean, that's, that's just how we've evolved over the last 35, almost 40 years. It's an evolution. We should be taking advantage of it. Now we're in this pandemic. People are having some huge issues and it's, and it's boiling over. So, Blake, what do you think about this conversation? I mean, you're hearing two older guys, man, you know, you know, we, we bring a different perspective. You know, we have a different lens, a different narrative of how uh, we have been exposed to and experienced uh, racism, both as black men, but also as law enforcement, uh, you know, seeing it and then representing uh, an image that may uh, be uh, perceived as uh, racist because of the historical uh, piece to it. So, you know, what's your spin on, on this whole thing uh, as far as our conversation and then also the topic about the Houston Police Department and, and their corruption? Because I'm going to talk about the officers as well uh, that uh, perpetrated uh, these acts. You know, they weren't all white. Yeah, I'm actually I'm reading up on the case right now. Um, it's actually interesting. It says on here, uh, Goins, he's one of the two officers uh, in specific it was targeting or uh, talking about, though. They were uh, using informants a lot of the time. It says 74% of Goins' cases involved, or, or cases was involved involving an in, in informant, and 84% of Bryant's was uh, involving an informant. They ended up paying. Let me see. It says for Goins, it says he used six informants, whom HPD paid a total of $13,845 for helping pr police make arrests. So. Wow. That, that, yeah, that was just a, a crazy stat I was just looking at. But um, as far as my perspective on the whole thing, I mean, I don't have the police background that you guys have. I just have, you know, my background as a as a black man. I, I was living out in Buffalo in New York these last few years. And uh, I don't know, definitely just different, different experiences, you know, more subtle stuff, I guess you could say. Yeah, but, you know, we're looking for, you know, at least I'm, I'm speaking for me, I'm, you know, I'm looking for not that you have that police background, but, you know, raised in a household where, you know, your, your father uh, was uh, in law enforcement for uh, all of your life, uh, you know, and then you as a black man being uh, out there in, in uh, you know, you lived in New York City going to, uh, to St. John and then the, to UB uh, in Buffalo. So you're talking about two different ends of the state. Uh, having lived in a household where uh, someone that is close to you in law enforcement and then you being your own person, you know, having your, your core friends. So, you know, I'm looking for your, your response, you know, as organic as you can make it, uh, you know, and is real, you know, I don't think you're going to hurt anybody in this room 
uh, you know, by speaking your truth. Oh, I'm not worried about that. Uh, honestly, what I would say is um, it's it's been an interesting experience coming up there. Oh, hello, hello, what's up, what's up? I just had to throw that in there because yeah, he said he wasn't worried about that. I'm like, okay, don't. Yeah, yeah, don't, I, heard. Yeah, I ain't worried about all that. Don't, don't get too funky. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't scared of no police. But, uh, nah, my experience has always uh, it's been pretty interesting coming up because, um, I don't know, like, coming up, I definitely saw a lot more police, I guess, than maybe, like, the average kid. But I didn't think anything of it because my dad was a cop. His friends, you know, some of them were cops. You know, definitely saw some cops come by the house and, I, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't for anything bad. It was just they were probably coming through to say hi or whatever, something like that. So that was always interesting. But then when you get back out into the world and you start, you know, making friends with people that have entirely different experiences with cops and majority of them have entirely different experiences with cops. You know, you're not so quick to say, oh, my dad's a cop, you know, like, oh, what's your dad do? Like, you might not say cop, you know, right off the top, you mm -hmm. know, so mm -hmm. that might. That's something I could offer, you know. It, it's not like I'm over, you know, bad-mouthing cops or nothing like that. You know, I, I've seen what I've seen. But I've also seen the other side of it now that I've been out, you know, uh, and been exposed to more, you know. But, I don't know, it's been an interesting thing, you know. It's, it's I don't know, I don't, I don't even know. My perspective on everything that's going down right now is, is probably a whole lot different than uh, a bunch of other kids my age, that's for sure. Interesting. Well, the thing is, yeah, you, I, you know, I agree, you know, with your, with your thoughts big time because of the fact that as a young black man growing up now, you have to be even more aware and cognizant of what is going on around you when people of quote unquote authority, i.e., police, sheriffs, troopers, uh, uh, federal officers or whatever are are around, because you you, you have to be mindful that under certain circumstances they look at you as a threat number one now i gotta admit uh even when i started shooting i started it was like 40 years ago you know if i make a if i made a traffic stop all right i walked up toward that car with the first thought of my mind as that driver being a potential threat which heightened my officer safety to make sure that that trunk is securely closed to make sure I don't go leaning all the way, go leaning in to where I'm exposing a big chunk of my body to somebody who could be sitting in the backseat with a sawed-off shotgun that had cut me in half the minute I walked up to the window. I made sure of all that. Then I brought myself, you know, to the point of safety based on how I was interacting with that driver. If that driver was an 82-year-old female, my officer's safety went down considerably. All right. It went down considerably. Now, if it was three, four guys in their 20s, four o'clock in the morning, looking all glassy eyed or whatever, my my actual officer safety may have went up a little bit more. So now being a young black man, most of the interactions, a lot of these officers are walking up. Some of them are literally some of them are in fear. Some of them. All right. Some of them are in fear. Yeah, I'll say now, um, being young, oh, my being young, being younger, you just have to understand being younger. You just have to be my uh, younger folks have to be mindful because these individuals are approaching in other individuals in a whole different manner. Some of them are looking for confrontation, altercation so they can so they can whip out that taser 
so they can go two, three, four guys on one. So they can go maybe even deadly physical force. Some of them want that confrontation because some of them deep, deep, deep inside want that situation. You can't. They can't tell me that a person out in the middle of the street, butt naked, was a was somebody who made two, three officers feel that their life was in danger. All right, to, where this guy was shot from a distance of about eight, nine feet. Because he was running toward the officers, butt naked, and they shot him. Mm, I mean, it's yeah. just—it's just remarkable that a district attorney would have that type of package on his or her desk. A chief of police—if I was chief of police—and get that phone call, and I get to the scene, and I see that they shot an unarmed, naked man, I would just close my eyes and look up to the sky and say, "Why me, Lord? Why me?" Because I have to deal with this. And it's not going to be good, especially for the individual who was killed by the officers. I mean, it's just remarkable what's going on now. It's 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 strange because with the technology and the community policing and the partnerships and all the stuff that they're supposedly doing, we are actually hauling ass backwards. Yeah. Okay. Backwards, and it's it's just like why is this going on? It's going on. If you tell me, really quick, if you tell me that. If officers were being charged, if officers were being prosecuted and convicted and imprisoned, and now all of a sudden qualified immunity basically gets relieved to the point where now all of a sudden this officer, he's being sued for $5 million and he's got to come up with $5 million. He just can't go to another police department because if he goes to another police department, they'll be taking six, $700 a paycheck out of his pay to pay off that $5 million. If that type of stuff was going across the country, I believe a lot of those officers would think twice about doing a lot of the terrible stuff that some, like some of them are doing. I'm not all, but some of them are doing. You know, interesting enough, you bring up that point, Pete, because I was uh, in, in one of my classes here that I'm teaching. I had my students reading a um, a uh, an article, you know, uh, talked about uh uh, law enforcement's transition from the 1920s uh, through the 60s, 70s, and, and up to 2005, the uh, the um, article was written and the study was done. And what it was talking about was the uh, the introduction of uh, black and brown police as well as the, the gay and lesbian community in law enforcement. It was saying the changing of your, uh, your demographics or, or description of the law enforcement and its practices. And so one of the things they brought up was saying that, you know, you have the complexity of culture, uh, you have also the complexity of community, and then you have the organizational structure. Those three points that you had to deal with uh, in order to effect uh, change systemically in law enforcement. So, you know, it talked about, you know, with the complexity of culture, you can't just hire a bunch of black and brown officers and expect that, you know, the systemic culture of policing is going to change because the system is larger and stronger than any amount of number of black and brown officers you can hire. Uh, and so one point it brought was saying that, just like you were saying, uh, the litigation piece, you know, lawsuits and suing the police departments, the city, and the unions uh, to a point of, they were saying, if you brought enough lawsuits to these organizations that you would affect change because they would either go broke or they would start to do a self uh, uh, reflection on what's going on with the training with the officers and start enforcing 
them to be more uh, accountable because they can't afford to cover the amount of lawsuits uh, that would come forward. And so, uh, you know, when you mentioned that, it just rung that that bell for me because I remember reading that and and talking with my, my students about uh, that and how many times that has become, uh, you know, the driving force finances. Right. We, we loot and burn the city to bring awareness to uh, the abuse of law enforcement when they killed uh, George Floyd. We, you know, we did the same thing with Rodney King. We did the same thing uh, with Eric Garner. You know, it's like when you hit them financially, it awakens them. And so that's what we've had to do uh, through the internal practice of law enforcement, you know, putting in those consent decrees, you know, where you legally bind them to hire X amount of black and brown uh, folk from the community to fill the ranks of the police department so that it reflects the community that they serve. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's something that we have to keep mindful of is that, uh, you know, it's going to take more than being monolithic in, in approaching and attacking uh, this issue of corruption, uh, racism, institutional racism. Um, and then also, uh, you know, speaking a language that is not, um, you know, germane to. Uh, black and brown folks who go into law enforcement, you know, if, if we're well, it also it also is involved with the local government, the True. local leaders. Yes. All right. Plain and simple. I mean, if you look at a municipality that has a mayor who doesn't care, uh -huh. a city manager maybe who doesn't care, city council who are a uh, uh, our, in this that's this city here. We have five city councilmen. We got a north, south, east, and west, and one at large. And you know, I represent the south district, uh -huh. and I'm only concerned about the south district. Well, the south district happens to have the most influential people, affluent homes, a uh, lot of money. So you're not worried about the uh, the, the north district that has. A lot of low-income housing, uh, people of color, uh, 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 poverty. Well, you know they have a they have a representative. You know that's not my concern. Yes, it is your concern. Right. This is the entire community. Stop being divisive and look at it as a whole. Don't say, "Well, I, I just represent the South District." No, you you represent part of the entire community. If right. you don't have if you don't have the upper management, the upper levels, mayor, city council, city manager. Uh, and it filters down to now your police chief and his command staff. Not for nothing, people are supposedly getting, quote unquote, pissed off about what's going on with a lot of stuff. Uh, right after Michael Brown, I believe right after Michael Brown, they were talking about how Ferguson was going to revamp their government, city council, school board, uh -huh. all of that stuff, because all the people making the decision and controlling the money were white. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. People were tired. And what happened? What, about a year later or so, the next mayoral election, the same individual, white guy who was mayor of Ferguson, he won re-election. Mm. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. What happened to all of this uh, fire and desire? You know what I'm saying? You went to sleep uh, at the wheel. What was, yeah, what was going to happen? What happened with the change that was going to go on in Ferguson, a city that was like 65% black? Mm. And the city government was like 95% white. Uh -huh. You know, police chief, 
fire chief, school board, mayor, city council. What happened with the change? You know what happened with the change? Those folks in Ferguson, those individuals there, they shuffled around. Well, I don't know. I'm, I guess we're going to have to, we, I'm not going to go vote or, or I'm not going to, you know, support that individual. Uh, they didn't get out and vote. The same individual won re-election. Now they have an African-American woman who is mayor of Ferguson now. But the thing is, change is all about change. You don't get, if I'm the mayor and people, you call me, you're uh, a community, uh, not to use the word activist, but you're a community leader. And you're, you're calling me to complain about the police department. If I don't bring that complaint to the police chief, then where is it going to go? The police chief, he can say, I have no idea. Right. All right. You got to, they have to go to the people who make the decisions. And if that person does not make the proper decisions, making bad decisions, making decisions that do not help a large con- uh, contingency of his people, contingent of his people, they, he, that person need to be voted out, which means somebody else should be running. Somebody else should have a platform. And the people who are upset should say, wait a minute, well, Mayor so-and-so, you had four years. You did jack doodoo, mm-hmm. all right? Now we're gonna we're, we're electing somebody else. You know, the police chief. If, the, if you don't get on the police chief's ass about what his or her department is doing, it's gonna be status quo because uh, they're, they're gonna go out and do the same. The police chief is like, oh, I got 900 officers. I got 1,000 officers. I got 1,300 officers. Yeah, but you also have a command staff. Mm-hmm. You have captains, you have lieutenants, you have sergeants. You know, if you got a scene where you got a sergeant there, and you got three officers do some crazy, crazy stuff. It's like, I'm like, say, wait a minute. They're suspending these officers. What about the boss who's on the scene? What, well, was the, what about the boss who, what about the boss who was coordinating the reports and the information and the you, statements? You, you bring that up. But uh, again, Eric Garner, uh, you know, when he was killed uh, at the, the supervisors for Pantaleo, yep. they weren't the ones yep. that showed up. It was the off, it was the uh, supervisor that the black sergeant who showed up and, and she was fired. Uh, for for Faye to supervise, and he wasn't even uh, her direct supervisor, you know. Yeah, but she was the super. She's a supervisor on the scene. She right. got to take control. She had, you know, and you know better than I do. You know, you're when you arrive at that scene as a sergeant. How many scenes did you pull up? You know, you're working Highland, but you had to go into uh, Goodman or, so, or, or 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 even Clinton because so, of what was going on. So let me you know play, if you move. Let you me pull play, up at that scene. That's your scene. Let me play this clip for you then, because you brought that up. Uh, and I want to see if so uh, a lot of video calls and a lot of video conferencing. Uh, and the biggest issue that I have is light. This is going to be setting up here uh, talking about myself, police and the supervisor and, I don't and whether or not we are impactful on scene or not. So here we go. So far. The- Finally, tonight, let's meet a St. Paul, Minnesota police officer who tells CBS's Jamie Ucas this moment. Can you hear that? Painful, painful no. Personal. All right. Let me. Uh. Officer Antoine Denson remembers the moment he decided to become a police officer. He was 12 years old. A Caucasian law enforcement officer got out of his vehicle. The whole entire bus stop was black. He searched every single one of us. And so I took it upon myself to try to make a difference for my people. You became a law enforcement officer, from what I'm hearing, because of racial inequality. Yeah, but that didn't, that didn't happen. It's coming down low. That's the most hurtful okay. thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't hear anything. We got, got nothing but dead air. And that's not good. Uh, got you. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to. 
Uh, I can hear it in my, my earpiece. I don't know why it's not playing through for whatever reason. All right, so. Huh? You can't come in here. You're not welcome. Yeah, I got to connect to the interface, but it's not. So anyway, I, what I was going to do was uh was play out uh, a video. It was back, basically, it was a black police, police officer who uh, had gave an interview struggling with, uh, you know, a race and, and professional identity. And so the thing that I was going to speak to was... Uh, the fact that here you had that female black supervisor who was on scene uh, dealing with all white male officers. And again, we know law enforcement was a male white dominant uh, occupation. So she's dealing with not only being black, but also being female and trying to take charge of these alpha male uh, white officers who are in full, what I would say, uh, shark mode uh, when they were on Eric Garner. So is that a thing you know could she have taken command of these guys who don't work directly for her you know could she have stopped them realistically from doing what they was doing because uh, i think that she could have had she could have had more you know especially with it being on video well but, but let me right. let me finish this piece because we have another female black officer who was fired from buffalo pd Okay, Carol Horn. Totally different, totally but, different but, thing. But she she went to stop the white officer from punching a handcuffed suspect, and then he punched yeah. her in the face, and yeah. she ends up losing her job on top of getting assaulted by this guy. So here we right. have two female black officers, two different parts of the state, two different incidents, but here one intervened and was hurt and fired. One did not intervene, wasn't physically injured, but she lost her job, which she ultimately That's got back. That was Buffalo was because of the power of the Buffalo, uh, 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 the officers per se, their the union and the pressure they put on the quote unquote commissioner's office. The police commissioner was probably like, hey, this can be handled by the uh, police department staff, the police chief, uh, the commissioner, whatever, uh, uh, the, the command staff. What they did to that officer in Buffalo was just plain horrendous. And that was because those those white guys in Buffalo had the ability to dictate what was going to happen with her. They not only fired her, right, they sent the message to other people of color. Hey, you get involved like this. You get in our way. You try to step in front of us while we doing our job. This is what's going to happen to you. Yeah, because they took her pension. They, they destroyed her life. Yeah. Yeah, they sure did. But in Buffalo, they got away with that. A lot of other departments, a lot of other cities, they would have done that. New York City, the office, the sergeant there is a sergeant. At least be on video saying, hey, let him go. Let him go. All right, let him go. Release him. Release him. Come in there so you're able to say to the, to the chief or the commissioner or the mayor or the hearing, the disciplinary hearing board and all of that good stuff. You can be able to say, look at the video. You can see I'm attempting or I'm getting him to release that chokehold. Now, I'm short of hitting him in the head with a PR-24 or a baseball bat, but uh -huh. you can hear me giving him instructions. And like I, like you said a few minutes ago, some of these guys get into that attack mode. Now, all of a sudden, they don't know how to let go. He's right. there strangling because he, he wants to continue to put that pressure on to show this guy who's the boss. Well, yeah, you're, you're strangling this man while four other people, five other people are holding him down. You're strangling him. And he's telling you he can't breathe, he can't breathe. And all you are doing or all you want to do is to increase and level up more pain 
on this man because you're doing it under color of law, color of authority, which last I knew was federal crimes. Okay. So now the, the supervisor has to muscle up. All right. The supervisor has to, the super, the supervisor has to, because it's his or her responsibility but right you, there. But, but again, you're judging her from you and I's position because that is how we would have done it. I'm just saying that given, I believe, given I the believe fact that anybody, she didn't, I don't think she had. Yeah, no, the, I, the, that, 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 I think that strengthens my point. I believe anybody can reasonably infer that that supervisor should have done more to make Pantaleo release that chokehold on Eric Garner. All right, she's there, she's Mark, she's standing there with that white shirt on and them stripes, okay? She's got to do her job. But we're now, talking, throwing, we're talking the culture of NYPD. I, I'm sorry, right? she's a, that's, you know what I'm, I'm not going to say, it's, what you're saying, Marv, is relevant. You're talking the culture of NYPD, but she is a NYPD supervisor. If she is not going to supervise her, she's not a supervisor. If she's not going to supervise, direct, control, manage the people under her command, why is she a supervisor? Don't, uh, don't I mean, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the paycheck, it's the paycheck, it's the money, all that good stuff. Why? Well, I, I understand that. But why is she a supervisor? So I think. Is she, is she, is she maintaining the goals and objective of the department? Uh, I, I, no. I, is she managing her people? No. Is she protecting the community? I'm going to no. play devil's Why advocate. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to say that, you know, she took the job, the stripes, like we took it. You know, she wants to make a, a change. She wants to be an impact. You know, she wants she to should be have a, done. Then she should have done. Then she should have done what you and I would have done. She should have attempted to do. But how do we know she what didn't you try. and I? Because it's on video, Mark. Mar- it's on video. We've seen it. Right. We all. I, I can't stand watching that Eric Garner video. Just like I can't stand watching M- Michael Sl- uh, Slager gun down Walter Scott, who's running away from. Yep. I can't stand watching those type of videos because uh, it should have happened. No, it right? absolutely That's the reason should why it should not have happened. So since it shouldn't happen, it even pains me. And you and I have seen some of the most horrendous situations we've gone into the most horrendous situations yeah okay we've pulled people out of the river who's been there for two three four weeks that type of stuff we know what that type of stuff looks like all right we dealt with it for the years that we were out of the apartment now we sit back and say you know what things should be great things should be better we help to make things different and we look at this stuff and says and we say to ourselves we ain't helped to do nothing because this stuff is going on and now it's like it's on steroids it's yeah. all, it looks like it's on steroids now, well, right? It, it, I mean, they just on it. The, the respect that these folks don't have for people is just going through the roof. And if the supervisors who are in task, they are tasked with this duty. If they can't do it, they need to take that those stripes off. They need to take those bars off. Go back into a blue and white, black and white, or whatever, and just answer calls for service. Do their 25, 26 years. And move on because they are doing a disservice to the department and the community by not doing their job as a first line supervisor. And we know one of the most important supervisory points is the first line. That's right. Hey, you tune in to Two Blue to Be Black, Two Black to Be Blue. We got the good lieutenant uh, dropping it uh, like it's it, that, that truth is just cutting, man. Because I I do concur with you on on uh, you know when you take the the oath of being a supervisor, especially that first line, that first step into supervisory role 
that uh, you you separate yourself from uh, the the friendship. You know, and you know if we, we, it's all about business, man, and you got to be respected. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a struggle to see that because I, I like I said I a part of me understands that there is a culture, uh, there is a difference. Uh, when we talk about black and blue uh, and, and black officers, how they are viewed, how they're treated by their peers, uh, there's a difference. And then when you become that supervisor, if you don't have the strength, man, if you don't have the fortitude uh, to stand up against not just, uh, you know, those defiant officers who are defiant by personality, but also the defiant because they see you in a different light as a black officer, especially as a black supervisor, because I I can remember having a uh a character uh, hung on my locker uh of a uh aborigine it was a uh one of you remember those old characters they used to draw with the the big lips and the bone through the nose mm-hmm. they put one of those on my locker there was my first uh um i want to say my first week or so as a supervisor uh and and so and that was and that was in goodman section and that was at the time that uh, the uh, supervisors and the officers shared locker room and so, you know, of course, that in that in uh, that incensed me. And so, when I went into the roll call, you know, I I brought the uh, the picture in there. I said, okay, who put this on my locker? Yeah, yeah. You who know? did it? Who who's the tough guy? And of course, nobody answered because they uh, did. Of course, <laughs> they knew that it wasn't going to be a, a conversation with yep. words, um, because that was just how I, uh, I I functioned. You know, being that that marine. You know, now you just crossed that line. Right. We, yeah. we we got to get this settled by moving furniture. And and so um, nobody spoke up. And, and I remember uh, uh, my lieutenant then, Harriet, she uh, she launched an investigation. And and so eventually uh, one of the officers uh, stood up and and and, uh, and and I don't know if he did it directly, but I know he his excuse to me was that, hey, I, I know who did it, uh, but I'm going to take the hit for them. And so. He ended up getting time off. I think he got like 15 days. Yeah, why? Off. Why? Yeah, why would he take the hit? He know who did it. But, but he's gonna take the hit. That was that's crazy. That was he my point it. too. That was my point I, I'm too. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet he's your call because you know if I know who did it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak up so I can take the hit and then get 15 days for what somebody else did. Well, I'm very suspicious that he may have been your actual bad the, guy. The group, the group that he ran with, they were mm-hmm. that, they were that kind of group that would do stupid stuff like that. Uh-huh. And so for me, I wanted to be definitive uh, if, if it was him or not, the, 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 the ass whooping that I was going to deliver. Uh, so so he, he he got the tongue lash, and I said, the only reason why I'm not stomping a mud hole in you right now is because I'm not 100% sure you taking the hit or you the one that actually did it. I said, but understand this, if I do find out, they gonna pay with blood. You know, because that was, that for me, that was that was cultural, you know, you 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 speaking beyond just uh, a, a disrespect of the stripes, you know. Now this is how you view me as a black man, and 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 so uh, you know. Needless to say, I, I, I spent my 25 years of not finding out, uh, but the message was sent. Uh, you know, with him getting the time off, it was understood that what was done wasn't going to take place. But I'm just saying, I don't know if that sister down in New York City had that kind of strength. Uh, we, well, know, you know, we know maybe, Buffalo you know, maybe not. We know maybe, Buffalo yeah, did, may, but we don't know yeah, about maybe New York. Not. Yeah, maybe not because there's a whole bunch of folks with the mentality of the person in New York City. It's like it's like almost a, a, a situation of 
her own survival. But like I said before, you know, you know, uh, being in middle management, uh, being the person, you know, who 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 did uh, uh, duties as, you know, a, a, a division captain, acting captain uh, with all the people that had to uh, manage, control, supervise uh, the investigations, you know, that we had to also help coordinate the crimes that were going on. You have to do your job. Now, I'm like this. If I'm a police supervisor, sergeant, lieutenant, captain deputy chief, whatever, if I got right. an individual who I have, you know, had an investigation go on, there's two, three, four sustained charges. I could care less about what his, what his buddies think. Okay. I will deal with it. we dealt with it as per the collective bargaining agreement, but Hey, this person got three, four sustained charges. Uh, I got him or her, you know what I'm saying? I got him or her. I'm not concerned about, oh, man, oh, these guys going to a particular bars that they go to and sit there and drink until 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. They're sitting there, oh, man, the chief is going, the chief is going to possibly suspend a, a bill for, for, for 30 days. Or da, 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 da. Well, you know what? If that's what it is, that tells you that I'm not screwing around. I'm not condoning this foolishness. Right. This is too important. You're walking around. I don't want you, the officer, getting hurt or killed. I don't want civilians getting hurt or killed you know the guns and shots and all of that stuff supposed to be last resort last resort and, and people are whipping that because now the gun comes out they're like stuck you know some people have told cops well, what you gonna do now you gonna shoot me and the cop is like well yeah you see what i'm saying it's just stupid stuff because there is no they can't back away now uh it, 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 with the cultural stuff culture is it to a huge extent Mm. But we can't we can't always blame or use culture because culture can change and culture should be changing. But this culture hasn't changed in a hundred plus well, years. Well, because I mean, of the fact that at... the people the people who need to continue to push have to be the people it affects mostly, and it's officers in of color, it's female officers. Because like I said, I dealt with you know personally I dealt with two instances where the N word was used in my presence, not directed at me. But because, you know, they did it forgetting that I'm standing there. We, I went to a house in South Clinton, not South Clinton, South Plymouth, myself, another officer, and a lieutenant. It was a family trouble. It's no big deal, but we were all kind of close. We get to the house, and Ray Ray goes running out the back door. All right, now we're chasing him. I'm not really 100% sure why we're chasing him. We go over a couple of fences. So I'm still, I was kind of, I was younger working west side and a little bit i was a little bit more fleet of foot mm. so we ended up catching him like three yards over and this officer dived on top of this kid and called him the n-word while i'm there helping him get the kid handcuffed the kid wasn't fighting us he was more scared than anything he was about maybe 21 22 years old but he used the n-word and i looked at this guy i looked at the lieutenant lieutenant is looking at me like saying please don't please don't because you know what i was getting ready to do <laughs> and he's looking at he didn't say it but he's offline i'll tell you who that particular lieutenant was yeah he's looking at me saying please I, he was like please don't 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 please don't and i told that particular officer hey man uh after the wagon got there because the kid it was a simple harassment no big deal i told this guy look yo man meet me in the office mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. about 10 minutes later we get to the office over on genesee street st monica's in the locker room and i got right in his face it wasn't all that. Yo, man, uh, hey, can you tell me what was going on with that? Uh, 
why would you use the N-word? You know, I'm right there with you. We just had a fo little foot chase. We're working together. The kid wasn't fighting us. He wasn't swinging and kicking. You called him the N-word for what reason? It was none of that. I got in his face. Now, I'm an officer. I'm not a boss. This sort of tells you how a little bit far ago, long ago it was. Yeah. I said, yo, man, if I ever hear you say that word again, I am going to, we are going to go to the to, to the floor. All right? Don't ever, ever let me hear you say that word again. Oh, yo, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He didn't give me no excuse. He didn't give me no chest out. Hey, I can say what I want to say. I, he didn't give me that because he know he was 1,000% wrong. All right? The second time, as a boss, I pulled up. Officer was talking to another officer. I pulled up. That officer didn't realize it was me. Just as I heard him uh, you know, you, uh, use the N-word to the other officer. All right, he wasn't directed at a civilian, but he still he said it. It was loud enough for me to hear it, but he said it, which made me not feel good. I told him, look, meet me in the office. Now, at this point, I'm a sergeant. I made him wait 20 minutes before I got to the office. All right? I get in the office. It was plain and simple. Look, don't ever let me hear you say that again. Now, because you were talking in conversation with another officer and I have to pull up and you weren't using it at an individual or a civilian or a citizen or whatever, I'm not going to go through with the paperwork and, and writing this up. But don't ever let me hear you say this word again. Plain and simple. And this officer had like 12, 13 years more on the job than I did. But he knew exactly that he was wrong and I could have done more to him. It's about the officers in charge jumping up and saying, look, what the hell is wrong with you? If it happens again, or right. even if it didn't happen again, I'm going to write it up right now. I'm going to hit you with a memorandum of record because I heard you utilize that word. I'm going to put it so as in your record. I'm going to write it up as, you know, uh, send it forward or write it up or start an investigation, farm out section level for, ch for pop potential charges. Nobody's going to be able, nobody in, I, in PSS is going to, oh, wow, he used the N-word directly at a civilian? Hmm. Well, that's not, that's not nothing. They may, some guy, they might go, oh, man, wow, wow. But they're still going to go through with it because you can't defend that. It's all about the supervisors supervising, managing, directing, controlling their people. That's what they swore that oath to. Now, you know, let's we let's, let's dive into Houston a little bit more. Uh -huh. Okay. Let's dive into Houston because we, we kind of like drove off the street a little bit. <laughs> but but is it now, off the street? Because well, what, it was a little bit because because what, you, what, what you're what saying, happened, what you're saying probably didn't take place. I mean, here you got these two officers that, that we're going to talk about with Houston of color, okay, who have years of what possibly could be uh, fraudulent arrest, okay? Fraudulent, fraudulent. Uh, on, top it's, it's on top of criminal. On top of criminal. It's worse than that. Remember, remember, remember they did a raid which resulted in two people getting killed. Right, right. So now you're talking, right. you know, manslaughter, started, if not that murder. That started the entire. That that started the entire investigation. All right. Then they, they this is what. Then they they went back into their cases and what they were doing and realized that a lot of money that they were supposedly paying informants weren't getting paid. They realized that they were robbing uh, street dealers. They were robbing, you know, on warrants they and were, stuff. They were dirty. They were dirty. Right now, now. The biggest thing is that don't make people shouldn't be sounding like this is the first time that type of stuff has gone on with a rogue narcotics unit. True. Mar, we're talking drugs. Drugs that the cops now, those bad cops can now sell on the street to to uh 
enhance their pockets. Right? They're talking rogue cops going into a drug house where there was thirty thousand dollars in cash, so but here, they only turned in fifteen. So here's my question. Here's my question. Okay, because because this ain't new. But right, but so here's my question. We always talk about this. We always say that uh, when we study crime, right? We say that that uh, uh, crime. When persons go out and perpetrate crime, a lot of times, especially like these these uh, physical crimes, that it, it's a progression of violence. So they start out, you know, with just a threat, and then it goes to an actual shove, till it goes to use a weapon, so on and so forth. You see my pattern. So now here you have the same thing with these officers. So like uh, the officers that you dealt with, you checked them, but did it change their heart? Did it change their culture? Are they still in inside of their mind and heart racist? Will they now? I, you know, will they I, there's now, only so much. But there's me, only so much I can control. Right. I so, can control. So that's I can what control saying. what I see. I can control what I see right. and hear them do during that 8.25 that they worked under my man the supervision. And so, and if, so they, if those two officers went back and got in their car at the end of that shift and said, "To hell with them in words," you know, that's if he uttered that in his car or in his house sitting there. Uh, uh, kicking his dog, drinking a beer, and so be it. I can only control so much. But that's I what, can control when it affects but somebody in our community. But that's the point I was going to drive home, is that you can only control what you see. Yeah, you but, can only control so much. But now, much like you and much like I, because I had to deal with it with, with my own personal uh, experience as well, now that it's checked, those officers are still working. They still, yeah. they still, only do, they the guy's still, 35, the guy's 30 years old, 35, 40 years. The older officer was like in his 50s. Right. I mean, you know, the, the person's they, 52 years old. I'm, what much can I do? I can only deal with, hey, but I what, heard it. But what I'm I, saying you know, is that just like our experience, somebody ran up on those officers in Houston when they were doing something that you couldn't really fire them for, but you knew that it wasn't right. And you knew that it could lead to worse things because it was a poison. It was a toxin. Okay. And so now here, these guys of color are running around with this uncle ruckus mindset, right? They got this, they got this, uh, this, uh, um, step and fetch it. This, uh, uh, this, this mindset that they don't care what color you are. They're just criminal in, in mind and in heart, and they're going to do damage but you're going to have white people that's going to look at them and say, well, these guys were black and they set up this, they set up George Floyd and they set up a number of other black uh, folk in the community. So is it black on black crime or is it just these guys, much like the races that you and I have dealt with, that we couldn't fire them. We could check them. We could, we could even uh, manage them through, through a uh, policy, but because the culture hasn't changed, they're still present to further progress in that violent mindset or that racist mindset like these guys in Houston did where they went and did a raid and killed somebody. So now this this racist cop who put his knee on George Floyd's neck was just an extension of the same biased or racist uh, black cops in Houston that put charges that made George Floyd a felon. And the reason why I have well, an issue with that is because now we have a DA in Rochester who loses their job because what do they do? They make a statement about George Floyd being a felon when they don't even well, now, know that this man became a felon from somebody else's corrupt. Work. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. The Houston, the Houston PD 
uh, debacle was based out of criminality. All right, I'm not sure it was based out of racism or bias because you had officers of color involved in those crimes. So you're saying they can't be think, racist because they black? I, I, uh, let's see, a black, black, black cops going into uh, uh, black neighborhoods to steal and lock up and harass and I'm not going to use the word harass, steal and lock up black folks. I, I, I can't call that racist. That's criminal. But they're doing right? something that's, that's criminally similar, right? It correlates yeah, but to no, what I a white... I can't, call it, I, if, I can't call it race. I can't say that the black officers were racist against uh, uh, black people because they were stealing and robbing from them and, and planting drugs and selling drugs. That'll so it, call that racist. So if that a white was cop more does criminal. It, so if a white cop does it, is it racist then? Even if a white cop does it, it may not be racist. Okay. All right. If it's criminal, it may not be racist. That Fair white enough. cop is not. That, I'm just saying. I don't think that white cop is thinking. Well, I'm gonna go and rob the drug dealers because they're black guys. They're right. robbing the drug dealers for the money That's because fair. they're not robbing. They're not rubbing. They're not robbing the drug dealer and then turning the money in to the property clerk. That's fair. See That's what I'm fair. saying? So yeah. I think race might be a little bit different. Now in Rochester, uh. His the the ADA statement may have been with racial overtones. It may have been. I needed a little bit more because he was trying to say to the fact that oh look this guy here who's a career felon, uh, uh, he gets killed by the police and he gets buried in a gold casket and they're flying his body all over the country as if he was a former president and and all the military people get is a flag. Okay. Now, if he had used a little bit more of a racial overtone, just a little bit more, then I could say, you know what, this guy was really saying this because of racist. But again, we're talking about racism. We're talking about a system, right? We're talking about a system, and we're saying that this this DA or this ADA former uh, was in a position to impact or effect lives of black and brown people. Yeah, but I think also his statements were more personal and not uh, institutional. Okay, I think his statements were more personal. I think he was getting something personally off of his chest per se. Uh, even though he used career career felon, which is part of the terminology that they use in his particular office, me personally, I think he was coming at it personal. I think this this fool was sitting at his house, had one too many drinks, and now all of a sudden, an ADA in Rochester is taking such an umbrage to George Floyd being flown from Minneapolis to North Carolina to Houston, being buried in a gold casket, his family being transported. Uh, uh, the, the, the funeral was on CNN. So how do you this separate guy, microaggressions or implicit bias from institutional racism? Well, first of all, I think with the uh, ADA, he has to be more, quote unquote, institutional. All right. Is if he, he not, was making... How, how do you, he was, I'm just saying, I'm ADA just saying he's making statements. Well, no, I'm not saying the ADA wasn't institutional, okay. but he was he wasn't saying it within the scope of his employment. He was saying that that's that's my that's the whole crux of what I'm thinking. He was saying it more personal. He wasn't sitting, he wasn't standing up in front of a microphone so making what? a statement. He wasn't standing in front of a microphone making a statement uh as far as being an assistant district attorney for Monroe County. 
but it he speaks was to his decision and discretion, right? It speaks to his his mindset. So he's going to take that same mindset, that same discretion, and make decisions on black and brown people in his. Well, you office. have to have what you got to do now is what you have to do now is you have to have examples of, of him doing that at this point. I, I, don't I, would see, say, I don't see you turning bias off whether you at home or at work. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is. Uh, people, I mean, he's he's saying that. You know how many people? I mean, even people we worked with. You know how many how how many demons there were once they got home, but they had to temper it when they were at work. Yep. They have to keep their mouth shut because they open their mouth or do something at work, it can cost them their job, which has happened to a lot of people. You got people now. You got the Karens running around doing crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. You got other people doing crazy stuff. They see it on video. The next thing you know. This particular company saying, well, we don't condone uh, what the person said. That's not our faith and our values, and we don't agree with it. And that person has, is no longer working for our company. So now stupid stuff that they've said or done in private, at home, on video, at Walmart, has now cost a lot of folks their jobs because people found out, hey, this person worked for uh, such and such company. Now the company's going, damn. And now they got everybody's everybody's looking at them. Well, what are you going? What are you doing about it? What do you say about your employee? Because you have to go after that transgression any way possible. All right? I, I think that a lot of that, I think a lot of businesses end up letting these individuals go because they, they know step that up. They cannot they, monitor or supervise or manage that type of uh, mindset because you don't know when it's going to exhibit itself. Again, we talk about when you're in a stressed response, you revert back to what's at your core, what's at your heart. And so if your heart is biased, being that this ADA was biased in his thoughts personally, he is still going to take that same mindset, that same socially conditioned thought process to work. And he's going to see something at work that's going to trigger the same thought process that triggered him personally thinking about George Floyd. He's going to have somebody sitting in front of him or he's going to have some paperwork sitting in front of him and that implicitly biased thought is going to come up. And if there's somebody else in the office that shares that same mindset, then they are, because we're all tribal, we're all tribal people, we're social creatures, we flock with those who think and feel the way that we do, he is going to then feel comfortable like most of them do now and say and do things in those circles where it's accepted. And so, yeah, well, you know, so a lot of those businesses, a lot of those businesses, they are speculating that that can occur. It's a speculation. Now, as far as somebody who is a, an assistant district attorney who's representing the district attorney for that county, for those people, a person who's an officer of the court, all right, the, the DA basically has to say, look, those type of statements that type of quote-unquote mindset opens the door for potential problems. Now they also have to look at they also have to look at his past. For all we know, there could have been other instances which occurred within that office that we don't even know about, where the DA is saying, "Look, Tom, Bill, Harry, whatever, you got to chill out with that type of rhetoric." Not here in the office, not in the courtroom, not outside the courtroom. Somebody can hear it and believe that you are now are dealing with people in the community, people of color, poor white trash, whatever you want to call it, and you're having it come from this this specific mindset. He may have been warned or talked to about something else previously, and what he did 
a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, was literally the icing on the cake. We don't know at this particular time. Uh -huh. You know, his 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 opinion, we have to look at the opinion. We have to uh, really uh, carve it up a little bit. What he said was inappropriate. It was insensitive. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, does he realize that Floyd Mayweather could have flown George Floyd's body to the moon if he wanted to, if he wanted to spend the money, if he wanted to spend $10 million to do it? I mean, you, got, you have to wonder. He's, uh, the ADA thought it was some type of, of tour going on that this man was being flown to his home, the place where he was uh, brought up, the place where he was born. He was able to be buried by, next to his mother. And the Floyd family didn't have the finance. Do you know how much money it costs to fly people and fly about, you know, bodies across the country? That, Floyd wasn't being flown on Air Force One. Yeah, okay. But, but even still, even with, with, with that being said, you know, the way that man was killed and by the hands of whom he was killed, it, it, he's the ADA is basically saying that this man's uh, honoring in his death was beneath uh, him and everybody else. Because he viewed this man less a person, less a human being, and, and that and that that gives that gives opening for dehumanization. When you can sit here and say, "I'm going to compartmentalize this guy as a felon," and so all felons in my eyes are less than deserving of a good send off for their funeral, their final arrangements don't meet my standards because you're a felon. And so, well, you know, who has who that's cares the same what, about his yeah. That, yeah, that I agree. I agree. But who cares? Who, who who cares about his standards? He's nobody that we have to step up to his standards. He's an assistant district attorney. He has a job to do. He's supposed to do it appropriately, fairly, and making sure that the individuals that he deals with are handled and the situations handled accordingly. Okay, but you know, now here comes his personal feeling. His personal thoughts. The problem he had was that he put his personal thoughts that were inappropriate and sensitive. He put it into a, a, a public forum. All right. He put it into a public forum, which now opens the door for it to be scrutinized. Now, if, if I said it right now, people could say, OK, that's his opinion. If you said it right now, people would say, OK, that's his opinion. But we're not uh, 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 city council people. We not we aren't the mayor of a city or town. We aren't uh, an assistant district attorney or district attorney or police chiefs. We don't have those positions, so it's it's, it's lessened of a factor with with this ADA. Now people are saying, "Well, wow, does he have that mentality when he is dealing with people in in, right. in, in the courtrooms?" And and that's I a mean, and that's a that's a valid question. It's, it is a valid question. It is a valid question, but is it enough to uh, 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 if you were the if you were the Monroe County DA, would you ask him for his resignation? Absolutely. Okay. If I was the Monroe County DA, I would have to put a I would put a pause on it because I'd have to look at it a little bit deeper to see what this individual, what is what was his uh, uh, his past in my agency. If this guy has been an up and coming assistant DA, sharp as a tack appear to be very, very fair. The judges say, hey, that ADA, he's a good guy. You know, he knows, he, you know, he's, he, I don't have to charge him up in court. I'm not on his case about his briefs or documents being late. 
he treated uh, one defendant really fair. I thought he was going to go another angle. He didn't. He's a real know? good guy. But I he, mean, I'm just saying, what I'm saying is that his past. If, if he's yeah, saying for his that feelings, George Floyd I, was not worthy of a gold casket, then how, that is, does he not give, mean, how is he going to give any other defendant that comes across his, his table? How is he going to see them as, as, as being able to render mercy to them? He he's not feel, there to. He's not this, there to render mercy. He he's not feel, there to render he mercy. He don't even feel this man was worthy of a gold casket. That, but that does not mean he cannot do his job. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm what just saying. What kind of job that, is he doing? Because I, I call a question. It, it, it's not like he's a stock boy at at a at a grocery store. His decision, his mindset, is no different than that of a surgeon. Like you just had these doctors on TV who were doing surgery. And the ladies that were having surgery done to them, they had it recorded. So now you're hearing statements while she's yeah. under anesthesia. Yep. These doctors, yep. so those doctors were relieved because yeah. you're like you're putting somebody's life and welfare in the hands of people who are ill. So it also depends. It also depends the content of those statements. What were they saying? Oh, they were talking about her. They were uh, weight shaming her. Uh, they were saying things to her that were ethnically insensitive about her lips and other stuff. So here this person has a conversation with another uh, surgical person who is of the same ethnicity about a person that they're working on. And so this person uh, that they were working on, she had had words with the doctor previously before the surgery because they didn't agree on something. And she's like, look, you're going to work on me. I don't agree with what, you know, your decision is in this area. I want a little bit more information. So he felt uh, a little somewhat about it or how the kids say it now. He felt some type of way about it. So now here he is working on this lady and saying to the other person, you know, the last thing you should be doing is making, uh, you know, making statements or, or saying something, you know, to, to somebody negative that is going to be working on your body. Okay. So what's to say he didn't do something to her, or left some left uh, some surgical uh, stuff in her that would cause her to get infected or die? You know what I'm saying? His yeah. his mindset is off. One for thinking it, two for saying it, and then saying it in an emboldened fashion while he's doing surgery on her. And that's what I'm saying. That it's no different than this DA, this ADA, who's making statements about who's worthy of what. So now you're playing judge, jury, and executioner on who's worthy of a gold casket or not. So what's that going to say about somebody coming across your, your table? Uh, you know, their, their um, life, their freedom, okay, is in your hands for you to make a decision on whether they go free or they get executed. And now if you read their history and you say, oh, this person has a horrible past, I'm going to make sure they get the book, the death sentence. And you don't even know if that person is truly innocent or guilty because they got folk now in prison who are innocent. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's not for him to make that decision. And he shouldn't be in that place. And that's why Sandra did the right thing in getting him out of there. Because whether he is a bad person or just made a bad choice, either way, he's in a position where he's got to think more and be more mindful. And he wasn't. And it, that consequence is what happened to him. Well, I think if he had made, if he had made the same statement about George Floyd, if he had made that same statement three months from now, six months from now, I think would have been less toxic than yeah, him making a statement possibly. a couple of weeks 
you know, with, with within, you know, George Floyd's funeral. Things are still going on across the country. There's still huge issues, protests. Uh, a lot of, you know, there's still incidents involving the police. I think if he had said it three or six months from now, it would have been less damaging to him. Well, it's But hot. like I said, I, I, I'm not saying that ultimately, and I hope I'm not never saying I would have ultimately let him go, but I think I would have needed a little bit more, you know, in order to, you know, kick this guy basically out of his career over making most likely a very insensitive statement. You see what I'm saying? Oh, it was you. very it's, it's, it's highly insensitive. It was inappropriate. But now my question is as district attorney would have been how would this or does this affect his ability to do the, the job that he is sworn to do in that courtroom? You know, yeah. uh and like I said, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, uh, you, you kick the person to the curb because of what he said, uh, and a guy was probably, or could have been possibly, or he was one of your good people, best people. Uh, it's a shock to you that he would say that. You know, it's more of a shock that it got put out into a public forum than what he actually said. I mean, he didn't use any racial terms. He didn't use the N word. He didn't even. He didn't say, "Oh, oh, oh, oh look at this! All, all, all black people, they, 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 they get locked up and they're felons, and and they get and they do something stupid and they get a gold casket, you know." So I, uh, so I, I'll, was, I'll, was this was this ADA? Was he uh, was he the, was he in the military by chance? I, you know what? You know? I, I don't even know his background because he made he made a he made a point of saying something about the military. You know, uh, George Floyd, yeah. the career felon, gets a gold casket. But somebody in the military who gets killed, that's that fake all patriotism. his family gets is a flag. That's that fake patriotism. Okay. That, that's the same yeah, jokers still. that went at the Colin Kaepernick about needing, and they brought up the, the, the veterans because they thought, oh, you know what? Just like when we were brought up as kids, you didn't speak evil of the dead. They always say, oh, you don't want to do that. So that was taboo. So for the white culture, uh, you don't speak evil of the national ensign. You don't speak evil of the military, right? They, you don't speak evil of the police. Everything is above reproach. Other than well, he's, well, it helps also. It helps to also uh, have to make and create division. Right, right. right. But the career, the, the black career felon versus the man or woman in uniform fighting for the country. Da da da. You know, patriotism, salute the flag, so like and all James that good Baldwin stuff. said, "White is an attitude. Division. Black is a condition." So we know that predominantly the military up until. Uh, uh, we were integrated was predominantly white. That culture still is white. So when you think of that white patriot, you don't think of the black and brown soldier. You think of the white soldier. Same thing with law enforcement. They don't think of us. I, I can't tell you how many times I stood on the scene and had people walking around talking, where's the boss? I want to speak to a supervisor. And I'm the only one standing there with gold on. All the other white officers standing there looking at them like that's the boss right there. They, don't, they didn't envision me as being the boss let alone being the officer there. And so when you were the talking guy on about Monroe it, Avenue, I'm st I'm standing up there, <laughs> I'm standing up there, white shirt on and a gold badge on Monroe Avenue, but because I'm making this guy move his truck off the sidewalk, he's gonna call my sergeant on me. I'm like, uh, okay, go ahead. Because yeah, I'm <laughs> go the ahead. You wanna, yeah, you want to see something? You want to see something funny? You go ahead and call the sergeant. Go right ahead. I matter of fact, I dare you. So, but I that, want, you're right. I, they don't they don't see it. And I wanted to bring that example up too. Um, that you talked about where, where you know you don't always be the obvious so you remember back in the day Lee Atwater made that statement 
about being abstract, using certain phrases and codes because during the 60s it was okay to say nigga, nigga, nigga. Okay, but then, but then after civil rights and 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 you had uh, you know Brown versus Board and you had all these things that put in place, they made it difficult for you to be overtly racist. Then they had to go to the more abstract uh, way of being racist. So you know we had redlining, which still exists to this day. You have uh, you know um, the different types of uh, forced labor, um, and and uh, and you, and you you say things like food stamps. Uh, you know, like like Ronald Reagan said, you know, welfare queen. You use those types of terminology. It still speaks to a certain demographic, but it's not as overtly racist as the N word. So I'm just saying that this guy used code words, just like most of them have been using. So now they know to one another what they mean, but to some of us who uh, can't prove it because the words weren't exactly the n-word they were welfare queen and so we know more white people are on welfare than black people but the image is when you say welfare you think black okay this has got to stop that's why that man got left uh, uh taken out of his position because he was using code words and it was abstract and it wasn't uh overt but he knew what he implied. He spoke that dog whistle to his people, and most of them that were listening got it. I listened. I got it. I'm glad he's gone. That way, nobody else that black and brown, whether you're guilty or not, you're going to get a fair shake from somebody who don't think like him. And that's why that other dude got fired from the from the, uh, the uh, news station who was talking about uh, Martin Luther the Coon. Okay. Martin Luther Coon. Yeah. yeah. You, you weren't no Freudian slip. Okay. No, because he's not the only one. He's not the only one who got fired within like roughly uh, uh, that same time period because an uh, individual on the West Coast did the same exact thing. Now, Absolutely. That's, 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 that mindset, Martin Luther King, that's how they refer to Martin Luther King when he's around four or five of his buddies sitting in the bar on Friday on, at happy hour drinking talking trash and being racist and then what happened said Martin Luther King he came out with the wording that he normally says or normally said and it's on video it's on tape it's a it was a slip uh yeah okay and so that's right, well so that's yeah, why I was right. saying that those black men in Houston as black men individually they can't be racist because they're black and they don't Hold have it, time out, they, don't, time they out. don't have that political power but institutionally all right, under, yeah, that, okay. under that same gotta, culture, under that same culture, that under that same system, they can be uh -huh. racist because the system is going to help them put George Floyd and others in prison and behind bars on trumped up uh, uh, or or illegal um, evidence and whatnot. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the situation with Martin Luther King, uh, the, 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 the the weatherman, whatever you know, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther Coon, whatever. Yeah, we never we never discussed the situation that happened recently in Rochester with Kimberly and Beth. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, they we never discussed that. We, you guys we, never t we never touched that incident. We have put that on the table. Remember, it was that. And NASCAR, we had put those on the table to address, and never got back to them. But see, we that's, never, that's, we never talked about the incident involving 
those two idiots. <laughs> well, they're fired, and and I would love yeah. to talk about it because you know here we talk about uh, like you said earlier. Um, you know, hey, six months from now, seven months from now, it may not be as inflammatory. So that's what happens. They know that our 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 anger, our disdain for certain things, it waxes cold after a while. We don't stay permanently upset. Okay, it ain't like with like O.J. Simpson when he was allegedly uh, um, charged with killing Nicole Brown and and uh, and Ronald Goldman. But for the white community, he was guilty, and they weren't gonna rest till they got him. Okay, and 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 it's crazy because we talk about it like it was a system, but he honestly could not go anywhere that not one white person had something against him or was hoping that he would go to jail and would work proactively to put him in jail for the crime, even though he was found innocent of the crime. Right. And we as black yeah. people all cheered that he got off because it wasn't the fact that we cheered for a, a killer or a possible killer getting off. We cheered because we saw a black man beat the system because we know so many black men and women haven't beat the system. And so many black men and women are in jail because the system already saw them guilty before they could even prove it. And so that's why, you know, this whole Kimberly and Beck, you know, you had, uh, um, who's the other one that, that, uh, Lonsbury and them, they, they, they get let go and then they get brought right back again after, because they know if they, if they put them in the, in the, uh, in the abstract, put them somewhere set aside for a while, it just go off the air for a while, disappear for a little bit. They'll get all right. They'll forget We'll rehire you somewhere else, and it'll be all right, right? Because we won't raise a stink. We won't raise holy hell. We won't be like the Jewish community who won't allow anything of swat stickers or anything else of that nature where it's actually criminalized, but yet we still have crosses burned. We still have Klansmen putting out literature. They're not considered to be uh, a terrorist group, but they, they impact terror. Okay, they, they are the ones who who were um, uh, um, responsible for the bombing in Alabama. All right, all those all the uh, the, the four little girls that were bombed. Okay, or or we talk about Tulsa dropping a bomb on Tulsa, or in Philadelphia, right? The police department, which had Klansmen in them, dropping a bomb on an apartment building, and that's that's domestic terrorism. That's domestic. Yeah, that, that, that was that was because I, I think using the words uh, tactical error was is a understatement. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tactical error. You sitting here dropping bombs on U.S. citizens uh, under the uh, letter of law and order. Under, uh, under under color of law. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know. Uh, uh, N Richard Nixon first coined the phrase law and order. Ronald Reagan did it. Now we got uh, IQ 45 doing it, right? Even though he sides with, with uh, racist and, and, and Aryan or what do you call it, white nationalist well, I think, I think, the, the, I think uh, Nixon's law and order per se or Reagan's law and order is totally different from the, the attempt to justify uh, militaristic type actions you know, as law and order. The only reason why Trump did it in Washington, D.C., because if Washington, D.C. was a state on its own, he wouldn't have been able to do that. But because it's a district under federal control, he was able to, to do that show of force in Washington, D.C. Didn't they just where, win statehood? 
No, they're they're they're, they're trying to get statehood. Uh, part of the, the it passed the resolution, or whatever passed in the House, but it's going to get bogged down in the current Senate. Okay, because I thought I saw something that passed the other day. No, the current Senate, the current Senate, Republican controlled, believed, and obviously they're probably right to to think this is that if Washington D.C. becomes a state, then that's going to create two more Democratic senators, which they don't need. No, no, they don't need. They don't want. Right. The current, the current. Now, see, now, if if the U.S. Senate was 55, 45 Democrat, then it'd be a different story. Uh-huh. But as of right now, with the Republican-controlled Senate, they're not going to vote for statehood because it will give the Democrats two more Senate. Okay. Uh-huh. That's why. That's the reason they're doing that. I mean, Washington D.C. black 70 percent black or whatever yeah you think them you think some some uh senator from south dakota really cares about washington dc you know near the ballpark and all of that no they don't care the only thing they care about is the fact that it's going to give the, the democrats two more senators that can be used very very fearful that they're going to get drowned this November in a blue wave. Got you. Hey, just so, just letting you know that you cut out on on that last part. I don't know if uh, if the storm moved through or not, uh, but just be cognizant of that uh, on, on your, your your phone if you're moving. Um, no, I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting still. It's blue skies. It's 97 <laughs> degrees. What storm is coming through here? I, I didn't ask you that, all of that. You know, <laughs> don't be giving no perfect description of of, of your. Well, you talking about a storm? Are we throwing stones because you you live in you live in that 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 tornado alley in upstate New York? Oh god, here we go. Flooding going in North Greece. <laughs> hey, look, I'm just saying, um, you know, it uh, it's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your uncle was trying to call in. I don't know if he was trying to call in to be a part of the show. Or if he just called in to talk about uh, his, uh, he's another West Coaster out there. I'll, I'll text him back in a minute. But um, yeah, no man, we got blue skies here. We just uh, they, they did talk about some some weather coming through. Uh, so mm-hmm. you were cutting out there. I just wanted to make sure uh, you were aware that that it was coming over choppy for a minute. But anyway, we got. Hey, well, you know, there, there's, there's probably some. Uh... Uh, Aryan Nation people messing with the damn cell towers up over in Lincoln County. You know, I am twenty four. I am twenty four hundred miles away. We got the e-haws trying to stop the show. <laughs> hey, so we about uh, thirty minutes out, man, from my two hour mark. It's crazy, man. We didn't have the bishop uh, come in. Uh, like I said, we got Kyle fighting. Uh, hopefully, allergies and nothing more. And uh, and then Blake, hang man. in there, Kyle. Hang in there, Kyle. There's nothing penicillin can't cure. Oh, boy. <laughs> nothing but shade going on in this room, man. <clears throat> uh, no, hey, hey, hey. If he, you know, I'm like, you know me. If I, I, I don't, I don't miss an opportunity to kick somebody when they're down. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Blake. He's what? sick. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jeez, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, Mar, why don't you take him? Go, go, take him some chicken soup. Surrounded by idiots. <laughs> Yo, hey. So anyway, um, we got the youngster here just sitting quietly, 
Um, he's been surfing, so I, I got to hear what he's been finding here. What, what, what you got, Blake? What you been uh, p- looking at over on the laptop? Oh, man, I've just been listening to you guys just impart knowledge and wisdom on me. You know, it's been a great show. Uh, what I would, we have a problem. <laughs> well, I've been looking up over here, actually. I thought I didn't know if you guys were going to bring it up or not, but uh, the uh, Vanessa uh, Gillen, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing that yeah, name. You, you bring it up. Well, we got. I know you guys have heard of the Fort Hood soldier that's been missing since late April. No. And they found her remains all over the... Um, oh, the female black. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa Gillen, uh, Fort Hood soldier. She's been missing since late April. Uh, she was murdered and dismembered by a fellow soldier who uh, they actually... Um, uh, his name, what was it? Uh, yeah, special try. Specialist Aaron Robinson. They went to go confront him and he ended up uh, committing suicide. So currently they're going after uh, Robinson's... Uh, girlfriend or uh let me see a 22 year old civilian identified as robinson's girlfriend uh cicely aguilar i don't know if i'm saying her name right that fort hood is off the chain man yeah they've had a few things going going down over there well i mean your 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 uncle uh was stationed there and i know that um they were having not only just you know some other issues um racially but also uh they they had gangs on there so you had uh you had the they had to go to the point of the extreme of finding out what affiliation you were with before you actually got orders to be stationed there because they were having actual gang uh, clashes on the base. So that hood, that hood has been 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 off the it, off the it, chain. It, it, it's just it, it's just remarkable that the U.S. military would allow that type of activity to be going on on the base. That just boggles my mind. That you know, they would allow these are the same people who could make your life a little bit miserable if you do things of that nature. But now if you got uh, people within the ranks, I mean, the, not the ranks, but, you know, sergeants, second lieutenants, captains, yep. them people, if they're in, if you got a if you got a captain and a lieutenant who are involved in uh, white supremacist groups in Texas, who is these company commanders, you know, they're gonna allow that stuff because it's there's it's their people doing it. If 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 they got 70, 80 of those guys who are doing that type of mess and they are harassing five, eight, ten people of color in that on that base or in that unit, they got it, they got the ability by sheer numbers. But like I said, for the US military to allow that type of activity, even now the military is emboldened because of the idiot in chief. Okay, this yeah. this is this is fun, this is I, I don't remember hearing this type of stuff like I said before. Now before we were saying a lot of this was the police. Now we're talking military. Uh that that's still that talking the same system, brother. Still yeah, talking you're I know. talking the culture, you're talking the system. You know it, But that female that 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 Gian, I think that's how you pronounce her last name because I think she's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh uh this was a homicide and I'm willing to bet it's domestic related. All right. Yep. It's domestic related. This is not, you know, neo-Nazis or the Aryan Brotherhood, that type of thing. The, the individual that was the, the target of the investigation, the suspect, he was a he was African-American. OK, she is Hispanic and Aguilar is also Hispanic Mexican. There was some there was something going on, a little triangle. Don't know exactly what was going on. I'm not sure if. If uh, 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 Guillen was a girlfriend, this other chick was a side chick, or vice versa, we or gonna, Guillen we gonna just find out. That's for sure. Or Guillen just turned up 
that told this guy she was pregnant. I believe that it was something domestic because what he did and how she died was, you know, not out of passion. That was pure deep anger. And the fact that he dismembered her and then basically planted her remains around in that uh, that wooded forest or whatever it is, that tells me it's a little bit more than them getting into an argument playing poker something like that well he's trying to this cover was, up his his crime like you said you know it most this likely was domestic it, it most likely is domestic it, it has this the earmarkings of it yes, at the it same does. time you know we want to make sure they do their due diligence in the investigation because you know that area uh has had quite a bit uh i mean come on man we look at the police over there you know, Mark, the guy shot himself. The guy put a bullet in his brain. It wasn't he was like about he to go to jail for kill. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. The, well, death, the thing was, they can do. They can do the. I mean, the due the due diligence is expected. But at this particular point, the the uh, the investigators, you know, the 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 the, 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 the army investigators, they're going to look at it and they're going to probably sign it off as some type of huge domestic problem, or not problem, domestic. Incident. Well, you're gonna have two. This guy committed a crime, and he's black. She's Mexican. Okay, they're not gonna. They're not gonna go balls out. They're gonna. Have, they're oh. gonna have two investigations, Pete. They're gonna have one for the UCMJ with the military, and they're gonna have the other yeah. one that's gonna be the local authorities. And like I said, you know, hopefully, is, is the girl the person who's in the person who's been charged tampering with evidence or whatever? I guess she helped bury or whatever. Yeah. Is she in the military too? Uh, not. I don't believe. Hold on, let me look it up. I don't believe so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if she's not, is, if she's not, if she's not in the military, UCMJ is is moot concern with her. Well, we have, not, not, but still, you know, they're, so. still, they're still going to do the local because the fact that you know it's it's going to be in their jurisdiction. Yeah, it's a murder suicide. It's a murder suicide. Basically, it's a murder suicide. They'll be able to if 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 he is the suspect, they'll be able to quickly pin him. With the homicide, and rightfully so, all right, uh, the investigation is going to be closed because he blew his brains out. Yeah, well, it's a neat, neat package if it rolls that. Yeah, way. it is. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say it, but you know, we've been we've been on our shares of our share of murder suicides, and that investigation it makes it it makes it kind of easy for the investigators because the suspect is dead. They ain't got to worry about putting the case together. They ain't got to worry about an interview with interrogation. DNA and all this type of stuff, you know, they're going to search that area to recover as much of her remains as they possibly can. Right. You know, because they can't even question them. Yo, man, can you show us where you buried the the body parts of this young lady? They don't have to. They're not. They're going to have to do what they can to give their family as much closure as possible. As much closure as possible because of the fact that the suspect killed himself. Now the other individual, the other female, they're going to they're going to interview her. She's going to give up all the goodies because she's going to be the only one who's who's going to see jail time for this. So she's not going to be apt to uh, uh, take the hit or a big hit for the dude. If I was her, I'd be singing like Ray Charles and stuff. Okay, very very simple. <laughs> but we don't know how deep the- this thing go. Like you said, right now on the face value, it looks like it could be a domestic. But who knows what they really will un, you know, undis, you know, undisclose or whatnot as far as what you know. It could be more. It could be less. It could be more. It could be what we say it is. But 
You know, if the biggest, they, the, the biggest uh, thing is that the fact that number one, the woman was the young lady was killed. That was the most horrendous part because it didn't have to happen. Yeah. Number true. two, uh, the people who were involved were in the military. Well, military people have they have the they have a lot of incidents of domestic issues, domestic violence. Number three, it happened most likely. You're saying it happened on the base. Those are all bad things and embarrassments for the military because it happened on their watch. It happened on their base. Right. Okay. That's that. Now, if if those two people, if if the, if that guy and the victim were living in an apartment off base and they had a domestic problem at four o'clock in the morning and he stabbed her to death, the military would be like, "Wow, that's very very tragic. It's too bad." But there's like there's like they'll be saying, "Hey, there's nothing that we could do about that." But now this is a little bit different because people look at the military saying, hey, you guys got to step up your game. You know, the family was upset with the the, the, the direction and the investigation was going because the military was saying, hey, we're running out of leads and information. Now, they got some information and, I'm, and I believe that they got some of that information from the suspect's. I want to call it girlfriend. Aguilar was Aguilar was the uh, girlfriend, and apparently okay. So Aguilar was a girlfriend, so she would have known, or not would have. She may have known what he done, how he did it, and where they could find body parts. Yeah, because now once they did that, as of right now, they're saying that she was a part of it. She uh, actually helped tamper with evidence. Uh, He like picked which means he helped. yeah, Yeah, she helped bury that body. Or yeah. body or body parts, so now they focused on her. They 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 talk with her, and they got her to break. So now they can go at him, and they cornered him out on the street, and he shot himself in the head. Mm. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Hey, just we got fifteen minutes left in the show. Um, we can do a final on uh, the topic we on now, or or you know, oh hey hey. To, to go out on a great note, right? So let's do this. Um, NASCAR kind of started uh, the ball rolling, but uh, what's the other one? Was it the NBA? That's no, the be- NFL. NFL. Uh, yeah, they're doing the uh, uh, people are calling it the African American National Anthem. Uh, what's the title of it again? It's it's yeah, it's pretty much our national anthem. It's lift every voice and sing. Lift every voice and sing. Yeah, it's our, yeah. it's our black anthem. You know it. They're only singing it at the beginning of the games in week one. I, I What I told you the other day is that they'd be singing it at the beginning of every game. It's only throughout week one that they've actually set that up. So mm. we'll see if it keeps going afterwards. But, yeah, we'll give them a, we'll give them a little bit of an applause on that. I, I'm more I'm more hyped on. I'm going to have to start watching NASCAR more, <laughs> uh, you know, because not only did they do the, the national anthem, the, the black national anthem, but that was it. They, they they all stood up. They saluted. They had the hand of the heart. They didn't play anything else behind that. Like you got the NFLs playing the Black National Anthem, and then they're gonna turn around and play the Star Spangled Banner. It's like, really, you don't have to do that. You know, we, we the Star Spangled Banner. We already know that Francis Scott Key put lines in there uh, that were uh, negative toward the black uh, enslaved. Uh, soldiers who were fighting with the British for their freedom. So you know, uh, honestly, until that's amended or 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 rewritten, I really don't find it being relevant to something that I would want to have to stand up and be honoring 
you know, and, and all these years that I did not knowing what was being said in there was toward me and my ancestors, you know, now that I know I can't go back. And so, I, you know, kudos to the NASCAR for for playing uh, the anthem that we sang in church that was really not even um, celebrated like it was just the other day where you had black and white alike standing, uh, you know, for that that anthem, which was uh, all inclusive. It wasn't uh, anything uh, excluding about it. And, and, and so applause to, to uh, NASCAR. And, and come on, NFL, you got to do better. NFL, know. meanwhile, still hasn't even apologized to Kaepernick, hasn't offered a job back or anything like that. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day. It's a nice gesture, you know, I guess, if they're trying to, you know, do some, some media cleanup. But realistically, if you know, there's a whole lot more they could be doing. You know, some, how about some more black coaches or black ownership or something like that, you know. But they're going to give us a little national anthem throughout week one. That's nice, I guess. I say we should have all our kids go to D1. Uh, HBCUs, your D1 players should be going to the HBCUs. Speaking and we'll see how quickly the money uh, and the power paradigm switches when you see all of our, our star athletes uh, and scholars going to HBCUs instead of these other schools that are wreaking benefits. And, and, and I'm talking billions of dollars off of uh, their uh, likenesses and as well as the, uh, the alumni. You know, the money that they give back. Yeah, while we're talking about that, actually, today, the 2020 prospect, he's a five-star recruit. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Macker, uh, Maker, he committed to Howard today. Um, so, oh. yeah. So, he'll be heading over there. Get that applause up. That's right. That's yeah. right. Put the 49er foghorn on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's a boss move because now – we're letting uh, the rest of the world know, we're putting them on notice that we're going to start spending our money within our community more. Uh, you know, at least like other ethnic groups, you spend that money seven times before you take it out to another community. Uh, you know, black-owned uh, bank and credit unions, uh, start opening up accounts in there and, and, and putting your business through them. Uh, you know, uh, was it South Carolina, Wilmington, and Tulsa were classic examples of when we as people of color, when we were achieving uh, economic uh, and social uh, uh, thriving, that, that, that it, it put fear in uh, you know the white community because they felt that we were truly not only becoming independent uh, you know from from them, but that we were also successful at being independent. And, and I'm not speaking and, and preaching segregation. But I'm just saying that we can live among and with the white community and still have a thriving black community. Uh, and and when that took place, uh, that's when you saw Wilmington be destroyed and you saw Tulsa uh, being destroyed. And so, you know, if we don't learn anything from our past, uh, we're doomed to repeat it. And we need to know that if we're going to talk about being uh, more black uh, uh, conscious and, and, and trying to uplift our communities we also have to be aware that there will be uh, a, a, an element I won't say all but there will be an element uh, of whites uh, who will not want to see that happen and they will go out their way to uh, stop it and so we, we can't go from this day forward being fooled 
that uh, you know, if if we get the cultural changes that we want, that it's gonna be all kumbaya. It's gonna be proactive. We're gonna have to continue to fight uh, and stay um, woke in order to make sure that uh, we we are not uh, taken back to uh, the days of our great grandparents and grandparents. Well, hopefully, you know, folks are gonna realize that, you know, the future is hard to see at this particular point because there's so much division and mistrust going on. And I think once we, once we become more idealistic that we have to work together, there's so much stuff that we could be doing it, which is great and good mm-hmm. with each other. You know, we've fallen back in race relations and division. We've fallen back 40 damn years, 50 years. Yeah. Okay. And it's something that is highly, highly unnecessary. And, you know, I think right now folk, folks are believing black folk, Hispanic, white, Asian people are believing that we're saying collectively enough is enough. All right. Those days talk about, oh, yeah, we're going to get a group of 50, 60 people. We're going to go into the black area and mess it up. And a lot of people be saying, OK, come on in here. Try that. Come on. Try that. We want you to try walking in here doing that mess mm. and see if you don't get see if you don't get slapped into another zip code. That's what's happening now. Those days where they were able to go into that Greenwood area of Tulsa and Black Wall Street and do what they did and kill those people. That was because back in 1921 or 18, 1918, whatever it yep. happened, they were able to get away with that. They knew that they weren't going to have to worry about the police chief or the sheriff or going to court or being arrested. They had a mob mentality. They weren't worried about that. I don't think too many people went running down to the police station. I want to file a report that these guys burned down my damn house. You know, they burned they didn't burn down your house. They burned down a whole portion of the city. Uh, the incident that happened in that town in Florida, the same thing. Mm. If they think they're going to walk into civilized areas of this country and pull that stunt like it happened a hundred years ago, they must be out their damn mind. Right. They talking know about it. Rosewood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they know exactly that they, they must be crazy. If they want to talk that mess, yeah, you talk it, but now they're talking it from the other side of the street. Okay. There's a demonstration. There's a counter demonstration. You look at the people who are protesting, you know, black lives matter and against racism and police brutality uh, inequality across the board, housing, education, health care, uh, being able to get a loan to buy a house. You look at this, that side of the street and you look 40 feet across the street and you look at the people there wearing cowboy hats, beards, waving the Confederate flag, Trump T-shirts. You know, just like I'm looking at the news right now, the, the other side of the protesters, they're doing it basically to counter uh, the folks who are against racism. Why would somebody who's a he's a Trump supporter, but he's supporting racism? Right. He's a, he's against Black Lives Matter. He's against equality in housing and education. I, I'm looking at this guy right now who's got swastika tattoos on his neck in the back of his head, you know, back of his neck on the side of his neck. Why would you do that? Neo Nazism, white supremacy, knowing damn well that. It is not acceptable in the United States of America if people are going to protest against it. And the protests are here to stay mm-hmm. when that rears its ugly head. 
three words. Minutes. Three minutes. Three words. Enough is enough. Very, very simple. All right. It's so, the ideal. So as we wrap this up, getting ready to go into our 4th of July weekend, gentlemen, that was a great way to end on a positive note, man, talking about, uh, you know, staying woke. Uh, what you got there, Blake? What's what's your last uh, uh, words of wisdom? Uh, nothing more really to add. Uh, hope everybody has a safe weekend. You know, I, I don't know if I, I definitely won't be celebrating any 4th of July, but definitely try and kick back and relax, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Good, Lou. What you got for us? Final words, sir. Uh, just you know, like a, like a little bit of what Blake just said. You have a nice, safe Fourth of July. You know, uh, be mindful that the uh, pandemic is still there. You know, avoid the situations which could cause you health concerns. This is a this is a holiday where the pandemic is got the control. So, I'm a, we're gonna be home. We're gonna do our little cooking and barbecuing here. We're gonna enjoy ourselves at home, and we're gonna stay safe. I'm more. I'm a little bit more concerned with these rumors of, of violence or attacks mm. against people of color, you know, across the country or in certain areas. You know, be mindful of where you're at. If you're out and around, who you're around. You know, uh, be prepared for an incident or whatever. You know, I'm just very shocked that this is the type of stuff that's going on for this holiday weekend. You know, hopefully it's just a bunch of bull. Yeah, but yeah. just you know, we'll, we'll we're gonna be keeping an eye on and seeing if anything does happen. Oh, absolutely! But, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's just a bunch of bull. All right, well that did it right there, man. Um, you know, another great, uh, great show in the book, man. Um, hey, whether you celebrate or don't celebrate, uh, like the Deluden and Blake said, you know, be mindful of one another, uh, social distancing, being safe, uh, just enjoying family time, and uh, you know we'll. Be back here again on next week uh, with two blue to be black, two black to be blue. Uh, my decides a good lieutenant and Blake. And uh, for the re-air of the show, you know, three o'clock on uh, tomorrow, uh, and also the rest of the week, you can hear this same show uh, throughout the week, as well as we got other great shows on my tribe network, Power by Brass Radio One. So we'll send you out on a lovely day with Walter Beasley. Y'all be safe and enjoy.